Good morning and uh, welcome to Race Industry Now, the weekly webinar series from EPAR Trade presented to you by ARP, Performance Plus Global Logistics, Peak, Shop Monkey, and Fifth Third Bank Motorsport. I am Francisque Savinien, the founder and CEO of EPAR Trade, the global platform for the performance and racing industry. This is episode 341. And we're going to be talking ECU with ECU Master. So with me this morning are Judy Kin, the co-founder of ePortrait. And for third time in a row, our superstar three-time code shift <laughs> champion, Mr. Jeff Hammond. Judy. Thank you, Francis. And um, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. ECU Master was one of the first suppliers that jumped on board on this platform. They took the time to understand the concept of this platform, and they're showcasing very similar to if they were exhibiting at a trade show. They're here all year long for buyers. And we have hundreds and hundreds of suppliers on board now. So um, please, buyers, take advantage of it. There are companies on here I promise you you've never heard of because I've never heard of them. So it's going to be a good 45 minutes to an hour here. So, Jeff? Well, thank you, Judy. And good morning, Francis. And, yeah, I'm excited about today. Uh, you know, I come up from the school of, you know, if it had fuel and fire, you know, that's how you make an engine run. But today, you know, these things have got a brain of their own that uh, do so much more uh, than just, you know, make the engine run. They tell you a lot of things that are going on within uh, the happenings of the car from front to back. And that's a, I think that's the one thing that I miss as far as being a crew chief is all the information you're able to get immediately at the end of a run, which you could not get back in the good old days. And I'm really excited about the fact that uh, Zach Denny is going to be uh, part of this program today. He's going to share a lot of what's going on uh, in the industry. There he is. Good morning, Zach. Good morning. How are you? Morning. Doing Good well. Morning. Doing well. My so, understanding uh, is we, we're going to have a little video before we start the presentation, right? So um, we're going to ask a read or producer to launch the video, and then it's going to be on you uh, after that to take over, Zach and uh, Jeff. Introducing the next generation of ECU Master Engine Management, the all-new ECU Master EMU Pro. Designed and manufactured in-house at ECU Master Headquarters, the EMU Pro 8 and Pro 16 feature up to 16 peak hold injector outputs and 12 ignition outputs. With dual drive-by-wire throttle control, high current ignition drivers, dual oxygen sensor controllers, and eight exhaust gas temperature inputs on board, wiring in additional boxes is a thing of the past. The ECU Master EMU Pro is packed with cutting-edge technology and features making it the ultimate tool for car enthusiasts, tuners, and racers alike. Whether you're a professional working in motorsports or a weekend warrior, the ECU Master EMU Pro has you covered. One of the standout features of the ECU Master EMU Pro is its ease of use. The intuitive user interface makes tuning and diagnosing your engine a breeze. You can monitor critical engine parameters in real time with the ability to adjust fuel, ignition, and boost tables in a matter of seconds. The ECU Master EMU Pro also includes an advanced data logging system allowing you to capture up to 32 gigabytes of data and review it in detail. 
Whether you're tuning for maximum power or looking to identify an engine issue, the ECU Master EMU Pro has the data you need. With two CAN bus networks and a LIN bus, the EMU Pro makes it easy to integrate with other devices, no matter the brand. With its compact size, the ECU Master EMU Pro can be installed in a wide range of vehicles without taking up precious space. Finally, the ECU Master EMU Pro is fully customizable with a wide range of advanced features, functions, and custom tables available. Whether you need gearbox control, anti-lag, boost control, or much more, the EMU Pro has you covered. ECU Master making sense of making power. Impressive. Very impressive, Zach. And uh, how in the world did you get such a little small box like that to do so many different things so efficiently? That's, uh, we got to credit that to, to the team in Poland. So um, I distribute EC Master products in North America and two other brands as well. We distribute uh, Verkline and ZRP products, but um, the team in Poland, they're, they're really obsessive about uh, a lot of things. One is is the physical packaging of the ECU, and and you know thermally, it, it's kind of a miracle they got everything on that board in such a small computer. But um, it, it helps a lot when you realize how little space you end up in a race car once you start piling components in it. No, you're right about that, and and you know kind of like what we're talking about starting and what your industry is all about. How did you get started in the industry? I mean, what led you uh, to want to you know a tackle a I mean a very difficult I think line of product that goes into race cars. I mean, this is this this is the, the brain. I mean, this is a stun gun that tells everything what to do the right way. So that's a pretty, pretty huge undertaking. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always been an automotive enthusiast. Um, you know, a bunch of riders that, that I followed as a kid with, you know, Hot Rod Magazine and Road and Track and, and was always in love with it, worked in the industry in, in various um, roles as a mechanic, a fabricator, um, went back to school in my late 20s for engineering, and, and I participated in the Formula SAE program. And I was in charge of the electronics for the race car. And I, you know, used some products and, and didn't find a good fit for what we needed in terms of something that was more budget friendly, but still pretty configurable. Um, stumbled across the products that the guys at ECU Master were making and um, mentioned it to a family member and, and he gave me a little bit of seed money to start and uh, wrote him a really nice email and said, hey, I'd like to sell your products in North America and I'd like to be your exclusive representative. And that was it. And that was almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. Well, outstanding. Uh, we keep touching on it, but let me just cut straight to the chase. What differentiates your product from everything else out there, you know, in the industry right now? Because Again, we touched on it. They've got a lot of information and looks very compartmentalized and, and in my terminology, small, for, especially for a race car. I mean, it's which is great because we don't need a lot of weight in there, but we need a lot of information. So what is so what's one of the key things or several of the key things that differentiate your product from everybody else? Yeah, that's so initially I fell in love with with EC Master products when I first read their their spec sheet is that you know when we started, it was really unusual to be able to buy an ECU that had a built-in controller for an oxygen sensor. You know, even today, there's still some brands out there where it's, it's you know, you got to jump through a lot of hoops to get an ECU to control an O2 sensor when it's such a critical piece of information. Um, even from the beginning, the guys at ECU Master, they put in a four-bar map sensor, so it reads your manifold pressure, so it reads, you know, vacuum and boost. Um, that was a big deal. They had EGT inputs built into the box, so, you know, we're, for a 
another solution. You might have to have four or five different boxes in the car. They were packaging everything in one enclosure. And it's nice because you don't have to go buy different things. You get all the basics in one box. And that's always been um, kind of a, a core strategy was, was putting as much into one box as possible. And now we've expanded and EC Master has our, our power management units and we've got dash displays and all these other things. So yeah, there, there are certain times where it makes sense to have different modules in different locations, but you know, keeping that to a minimum and, and maximizing what you've got in each box is a big deal. So that, that drew me to the brand. And then the price point was, was the first thing that sold me too, is that you can spend twice as much with the same hardware um, and you just, you know, the, the value for dollar with EC Master products is very, very good. And, and finally, with the EME Pro, we've got a really high-end ECU at a price point that's not out of reach for most people. So that's, it's always that balance of, of what you get for your money and how many features you need and, and is it easy to use. And, and the team at EC Master have done a really good job kind of balancing on the needle with that. You've kind of touched on, but let's, let's try to break it down a little, maybe a little bit further. Uh, when people come to you, either asking you for, I'm starting a new race team and I need this product. That's probably an easy deal because they're looking for you. But what about people who already got something and yet they, they don't have what they really need? I mean, how do you, how do you talk to them and not, you know, kind of like put them down, but at the same time show how your product will outdo their product? I mean, it, it, it doesn't sound like it's a hard sell, but, you know, I'm sure you have to, you know, convince some people who want to be hard line. Yeah, we, we've got a lot of customers who they, they've got loyalty to a particular brand of electronics or they're in a class that requires them to use the stock engine controller. That happens a lot where they're trying to keep classes um, more affordable for people. And so, I, again, one of our, our core principles has always been to, to make sure that all the products play nice with other products that with, um, I don't know if you're familiar with CAN bus, but it's basically a two-wire network. Mm -hmm. And so it, you can send all the data from one device to another. And we've done a really... Um, good job, I think, of making it easy to talk with other brands of products or stock controllers where, hey, I might not be able to sell you an ECU because you're class restricted or for whatever reason, but I can sell you a dash display um, that plugs into OBT2 and grabs data, or I can sell you a power management unit to manage all of your functions. You're, you got an electric water pump and, you know, it's, it's a problem if that thing turns off and you don't know it. Whereas if you got a traditional fuse and relay set up with that, you're not going to know until the engine overheats, but we can tell you within... I think it's 10 or 20 milliseconds that it's not operating correctly, put in a fail-safe strategy, warn you on the dash display. You know, there's a lot of uh, benefits for the driver and the team with kind of having smart devices everywhere that, that play nicely with whatever electronics you already have. You talk about all this, and I, I saw that the uh, the digital dash you had mounted on the steering column. Um how much can you put on that digital dash or is it kind of like unlimited as far as the amount of information that you, know, that you can build into a dash for that, you know, for your application? I mean, it's, it's a few hundred channels of, of data you can display on it and it, it becomes a balancing act of, um, you know, I've got different dash layouts. If I'm sitting in the pits waiting to go out and make a lap, I'm going to have a different screen up than when I'm on track. When I'm on track as a driver, you want one big red flashing light if something goes wrong and you want your rev limiter bar across the top of LEDs to flash at you, but you don't want much more information than that. Um, maybe a couple of temperatures here and there, but you can get pretty granular and have other pages. You can do automatic page changes um, or overlays where, um, you know, something gets out of range, whether it's pressure or temperature, you can pull that up. We've even got um, a graphic representation if you use our infrared tire temp sensors. 
Um, I noticed in one of my drift cars that, you know, we had a cool down spot after each lap where you drive through a little water box. And it wasn't until I really looked at that screen and switched over to it before I hit the water box, I recognized that I wasn't really cooling the tires down that much. So I went back and made a second pass through the water box, got the temps down and got uh, at least 20, 30% more life out of those tires just by recognizing they weren't really coming down to temp through the water box. So you can display as little or as much as you want. You can make it automatic. You can have a manual button to change pages. Um, it's just a really useful tool. So you, you can load it up on a lot of data for sure. Do you have any uh, current associations or, you know, like I'm, I'm going to use it just like a NASCAR or F Formula One types of, you know, series that, you know, you guys are really excelling in? We've, you know, we, we started kind of from my core. I, I worked at um, shops that dealt in a lot of imports. And then um, with EC Master being a European brand, our, our first ECUs were really aimed at the four and six cylinder market. And I pushed for many years to get more output channels available for the domestic market and, you know, big motors that need two injectors per cylinder. Um, and so we finally got that with the EMU Pro. So, yeah, historically, our, our core market has been a lot of the Japanese and European stuff. Um, we, we have had you know, a fair amount of LS guys and domestic stuff, but with, it was just this year that we got the EMU Pro lineup that'll do 16 peak hold injectors um, and really for you know, kind of the big boy setups that are making thousands of horsepower. So within the capabilities of your unit, can you program it to do pit road speeds and, and different things like that? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got pit limiters in, I think, all of our ECUs. I know for sure that the EMU Black and all the Pro lineup, we've got um, sequential gearbox control. We've got drive-by-wire throttle. We've got um, you know, a whole lot of motorsport features built in. We're working on control for automatic transmissions right now for you know your electronically shifted, um, you know, like a planetary type transmission like 4060, 480, the Toyota gearboxes. And we'll expand that lineup as we go further. Um, you know, if you've got a TH400 or a, a power glide, there's no, not a lot of electronic control unless you're doing a trans brake and work on that as well. Um, so yeah, we're with the EMU Pro, we started with the, the most needed features at the start of the race season. We're adding more as we expand in other markets, but certainly we've done a lot in, um, you know, road racing, rally, drifting, time attack, hill climb, on-road, off-road. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to get more into the drag racing market now that we have more channels. But that, that's a big market globally for drag racing. I mean, it, the numbers are just getting silly these days. Really? Uh, I, I, I thought everything that they did was so straightforward and so fast that it would be, I'm not saying impossible, but, you know, there would be just, you know, certain specifics that, you know, you, you wouldn't have time to maybe, I guess you might say, amass a big data log. But I guess I'm being told wrong. Yeah, I mean, you, you can measure stuff at, you know, 500 times a second or more. So there, there's a lot of data to be had there once you're looking very closely at it. Yeah. Like I say, that's, that's pretty wild stuff. I mean, even even down to the fact that, you know, when you say the sequential transmission, would you say sequential override? I uh, mean, yeah, what, what, how, do you, how does that work? I mean, I'm a little bit curious about that. Yeah, with uh, you know a lot of racing gearboxes for road racing cars, you, you know, a lot of them are air shifted, so you have solenoids that trigger the up and down shifts, and in that window, you have to unload and reload the gear set very carefully so you don't damage the the dogs, which are you know, basically big teeth that engage each gear set. And so um, that strategy, right. you can get very very detailed with how you ramp ignition timing in and out, how you do cuts, 
um, because you know, like these long endurance races, if you're if you're really too hard on those dogs, you're not going to make it through an event. And so there, there's a lot to be done there, and it has to be done very quickly and carefully um, to make sure you're not damaging the gearbox with every gear change. So you need a lot of very fine control there. I mean, almost any EC you can do a pretty heavy-handed upshift or downshift, but to to get it very right under a lot of different conditions and uh, different loads is very challenging. It takes a lot of time to set up. And now, is that based off of wheel spin? So how that works on that as far as keeping a guy or keep, you know, I look at like you you've, you put in there a rev limiter of some kind to keep somebody from, you know, making a mistake in that shift, correct? So the, the shift would be done automatically. I mean, you can have some lockouts, yeah. right? If somebody's trying to downshift and they're already at red line, you, you'd lock them out with the strategy so they're not going to mechanically overspin the motor. But, um, you know, in terms of wheel spin, the traction control strategy is a whole different animal. Um, and another one that you can get really, really fine-tuned on that with a lot of different conditions and make the car very drivable for somebody who, you know, if you've got a really fantastic driver, they can drive almost anything, but there's not a lot of human beings that can adjust themselves 500 or 1,000 times a second, right? We're, we're With the controller, we're trying to do things that the driver just can't do. I love something that's smarter than a driver. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like I say, all of this is, it, to me, is it's mind-blowing when you think about, most of the time when you think about an ECU, you just look at the the basics. But you guys keep adding channels and, 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 and looking in so many different areas. Um, what is going to be the next big challenge for you guys? I mean, what is what are people asking for that's not available? What's going to be the next thing on the horizon of a, of a breakthrough in your industry? Yeah, we're already seeing it in, in some of the, the top levels. I mean, we we play in the, you know, from consumers to prosumers to, you know, a lot of pro-level racing teams, but you've got some guys at the, you know, the Formula One level. They're they're integrating hybrid drivetrains and and doing mm -hmm. very, very complex analysis modeling and we've always seen technology trickle down from the top levels and from, you know, OEM manufacturers. Um, so I, I think that's the future. I mean, the, the first big step we're taking now on, on the ECU master side is um, preparing for direct injection because virtually every production vehicle right now has direct injection, which has a lot of benefits for efficiency and for making power. And so that's going to be a learning curve for a lot of the guys tuning because there's just more knobs to turn. And, um, you know, you have to be, a little more careful with, with with direct injection than you do with port injection. There's less wiggle room um, for making a mistake, but that's the biggest one that I see in the short term. And then as we start integrating hybrid systems and you know even the switch to EVs, we're going to see a lot of electric and hybrid racing vehicles coming down the pipeline, which is a whole different animal. But it's exciting when you, you think you could have an extra 300 horsepower electrically on your front wheels, and then maybe the rear wheels driven by a combustion engine, I mean, it, it opens a lot of doors for control, but then the modeling gets very complex. So um, nothing's getting less simple with time, I'll tell you that much, for sure. So I think you've already told me this just now, but I'm going to go back and ask the same question again. So what data would help most teams improve their performance? I and mean, What's the one thing that you run into with your customers that maybe they don't realize they don't have or that what they do have is not working as efficiently as what you could give them. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that depends on on what 
um, what type of motorsport they're they're competing in, right? With drag racing, the vehicle is a huge part of the equation, right? The, the reaction time, time of the driver is very important, but um, you know, in terms of mechanically how much grip the, the chassis is producing, that's a big metric. Whereas in a road race car, the driver is such a huge portion of it. So, um, but I, I think most teams out there at the you know the amateur and entry level pro level they're not um they're not using data as much as they should they're, they're not focusing on analysis they're looking at a few parameters here and there making sure temperatures are in check but i think the the cheapest and biggest gains to be had with most racing teams are you know one making time for actual testing that's that's a we're all always late to the racetrack making our first shot the trailer and an untested car right that is pretty common throughout the industry and then two um, using that data from testing to identify where they can make improvements. So I, I think that the teams that are really going to set themselves apart over the next couple of decades are the ones who are going to be so heavy on data analysis and data acquisition. I mean, you look at um, you look at any pro-level team, and again, everything trickles down, right? You, you see a wall of engineers at a Formula One race, all looking at the data in real time, giving feedback, changing settings. And, you know, you can mimic that pretty effectively if you've got the budget and some time, but that's where they're finding a lot of improvements because the, you know, that's where the games are, are to be found these days. Well, you know, you, you were talking about the drag race scenario and, you know, when you, you automatically, my head is bouncing here that could, could we be looking in the future of controlling wheel spin, which is one of the, you know, the critical deals is the, Everybody understands how the clutches have to have to hook up, and, and when they when they come into play, and could could this be a, an opportunity for an ECU to anticipate this ahead of what's getting ready to happen? You know, what I'm saying, and is there telltales that could help stop that or make it better? Absolutely, yeah, and you can you can use a lot of factors. There's already a lot of teams now, and there you know if you 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 can create a model based on you know reacting to data which is looking at wheel speed if you've got an accelerometer in the car which measures the acceleration force um, you can measure yaw a lot of people are using ride height sensors whether that's laser or a, a shock potentiometer so you can look at, at what the physical chassis of the car is doing and, and what the tires are doing and manage that or you can say hey with with the amount of grip that we've calculated we have here a perfect run means our wheel speed does this over a pass as we're commanding this much power output from the engine. And if it deviates mm -hmm. from that, we know we've got wheel spin and we're going to pull some torque out of it and get the car back in shape. Um, so you've got a lot of data available to it, whether it's from wheel speeds or accelerometers or shock travel sensors or laser ride height sensor. Um, but again, right now, the people that are doing the best in drag racing are making use of that data. And they have historically a lot of data from different tracks, different conditions. Um, yeah, they can look at grip levels and see what's happening with the car, but that's that's what's going to set people apart because at this point, making power is not the problem. You know, we've got drag cars making four or five thousand horsepower at a. You know, this isn't. We're not talking top fuel. These are cars that you can just go out and buy, pre-built from a lot of builders now. And so, when you have access to that, the, the person behind the keyboard becomes a much bigger part of the equation. Well, we've got a question here from uh, John Fernet, and. He wants to know, can you tell me more about your new, and I see it over your shoulder right there, your PMU-16 and how it compares to your other ECUs? Yeah, he, I think he's actually talking about the, the EMU Pro because the, the, the PMU-16 is a power management unit. So 
The, okay. the PMU replaces fuses and relays in a race car. And it's a really, really great device. It's been out for a few years now. Um, has a really good, strong place in the market. Um, the EMU Pro is, is our big new product for this year. So the Pro 8 and Pro 16, big change there is the Pro 16 gets one additional connector. So it gets more inputs and outputs compared to the Pro 8. But in terms of strategy, they're both identical. Um, what really sets them apart is not only just the number of inputs and outputs, um, which are the number of sensors you connect, connect and the things you can control, like throttles, injectors, ignition coils. Um, the, the strategies were redone from scratch. We started basically clean sheet with the ME Pro lineup. Um, and again, it's always a, a balance between complexity and user-friendliness. So we've added a lot of features, like if you wire up a drive-by-wire throttle, it has a full test procedure. It cycles it through the full range of motion, um, finds the break point. There's a breakover spring and the throttle is a fail safe and then does the full programming um, for the PID loops. And PID loops are just control loops. Um, that's done automatically. If you have a variable cam timing engine, historically it was hard to dial in the control loops for that. And that's done automatically now. So it, it's been a big effort in taking something very complex and making it more user-friendly and reducing the number of hours that a tuner has to spend dialing in things that a computer can dial in for itself, right? The tuner needs to be tuning tables and say, hey, we need to find where the camshaft position makes the most power. I mean, you know, compared to mechanically degreeing a cam, being able to deal with the keyboard is so much faster on a dyno that has good readings. Um, but you don't need to be dialing in the control loop. You need to be, you know, testing different targets for that cam position. So that's a big deal with the EMU Pro is, is making sure that the tuner's hours are spent actually tuning and not setting up. Um, but it is a very complex ECU. You can do a lot of different strategies. So um, we've added lots of features that weren't available in the EMU Black. And the EMU Black is a great ECU, but the EMU Pro is much more motorsport level, you know, for professional teams, a lot more data available in terms of logging. Um, they all benefit from our Data Master Suite, which is our data analysis software. So you can use a log from the EMU Black or the EMU Pro, but um, the EMU Pro is really a top tier motorsport level ECU. Um, that, that competes with just about anything on the market right now. Um, a few other features we've done, we're seeing a lot of people, again, with, with OEM vehicles, whether that's a side-by-side -side or a motorcycle, you know, anything off-road, um, even modern vehicles, the, the CAN bus is very proprietary. Everybody's got their own set of data. And so we've got a lot of dealers and tuners that will make a package for a particular side-by-side -side. and we've made it possible now with uh actually it's coming in one or two form updates for them to be able to lock down and password protect all the Ken bus data that they've created you know it takes a lot of hours to reverse engineer that and make it compatible with a, a vehicle and so now they'll be able to make a plug-and-play package for a particular vehicle password protect it and have that as a sellable marketable product that they can sell as a, a package to a racer which is um it's neat, creates a new business opportunity for tuners rather than just selling their labor once when they tune a car on the dyno. They can give a ready-to-go package to a customer and still let them tune the ignition and fuel tables and whatever else, but not lose the hours they put into research and development. So, yeah, I, I would say that everything gets expanded a little bit more, um, lots more inputs and outputs. I mean, it's just it's a big step forward in every way, but a lot of things were clean sheet for the CCU. Do y'all have uh, you have a relationship with any of the manufacturers currently? I see you got a TRD engine over one shoulder there, and uh, so you know it makes me think Toyota, GM, Ford. I mean, what 
what all kind of interactions are you doing with, you know, with the manufacturers? Not much. Um, the, those guys play the, the cards pretty close to their, their chest. I, I think in our whole industry, the only partnerships I've seen with any aftermarket ECU company with an OEM is, is maybe within their, their factory back racing programs, which the, the guys in Poland, they do have some, some relationships with a couple of companies over there. I think mostly for, for rallying, but, um, yeah, it's, it's never going to be almost never going to be directly with the OEM. It's going to be with one of the racing divisions. So there's a little bit of that, but not a ton. But in terms of the TRD valve cover, I'm just a, you know, I've always had Toyotas and, and kind of a nerd. And I saw that on eBay and thought it was a cool trinket. You know, eventually I'd like to own one of the, the TRD NASCAR motors and stuff it in something fun. But um, it's just a nice wall decoration at this point. No, it's totally understandable right there. They make a great product. I mean, you know, so many great things are coming from the manufacturers. And just curious to see, you know, uh, if they had reached out to you. And I can understand it's like everything else, uh, you know, they don't they don't want to let anybody inside basically the hen house you might say but uh we've got we got a couple more questions here and uh sean switzer would like to know will we see the ecu master implemented with the gs7 dct control with the emu pro 16-8 i would love to be have the ability to keep everything under one roof for my electronics if possible yeah, I think it's referring to the the seven speed DCT that we see. I, I think BMW uses it quite a bit. Um, yes, the guys in Poland have they, they've started working on that. I don't know when it would be implemented or finished, um, but that that is a goal on the horizon. We already have uh, DSG control for like the DQ250 and DQ500, which are the the front wheel drive oriented um, dual clutch boxes. So we, you know we've got a lot of familiarity with DC control, DCT control already. Um, we're going to expand that to more gearboxes in the future for sure. And uh, Pedro would like to know, does your EMU Pro have a built-in data log or does it need a USB pin? Yeah, it, it actually logs to a USB flash drive. Um, we like that because you don't have to plug a laptop into the car to get the data log out of the car, right? You just simply unplug the USB stick. You can transfer it to your laptop very quickly. Um, also, for me, a, a situation that happens a lot is if you're you know making a driver change you came in from a lap it, it can be really clumsy and you have to leave the car powered on to get data logs off the car so if you're doing a driver change in an endurance race the driver gets out they take their own flash drive you've got all their data and and you know basically an instant swap um so the the choice is made for for those reasons and plus it's um it's up to 32 gigs so you can have an absolute ton of data on there I and mean, that's I, I don't know how many hours of data running at full frequency um, but yeah, it's, it's an external USB stick that you plug in. Again, uh, we've talked so much about how clean and how small the unit appears to be. How much does something like, you know, your uh, ECU Master Pro, how much does it weigh when you've got the Mac Daddy, everything in the car like you'd like to have that anybody would ever want? What kind of weight are we talking about there? I mean, really, the the weight's going to depend on on your choice of wire and and wire sheathing, right? The the wiring is mm -hmm. going to weigh a lot more than the devices themselves. So, and that depends on where you locate it. But yeah, I mean, a, a complete electronics package for a car, even something fairly complex, I and mean, you're you're probably talking using motorsport materials. I would think probably in the twenty to thirty pound range, and that that probably includes some battery cables. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not nothing, but it's um, with, with motorsport stuff, you can get away with a little bit lighter weight than you would 
and like an OEM application. Does it take any um, any boost in your alternator or anything like that to keep the system, you know, running effectively and not affect anything else inside the car? Yeah, and the, the factory alternator is going to be fine unless you, you know, if you're adding a bunch of fans on a race car, you, you need to, to think about your system as a whole. I mean, if, if you've got a, a car that runs really hot, um, you know, depending on the, on the type of car, I know, you know, drag racing, cooling is not a gigantic concern unless we're talking drag and drive. But um, yeah, it, just, it depends on your system, but the ECU itself doesn't draw much current at all. I mean, the only things that's going to actually power are going to be like a drive-by-wire throttle. Everything else is going to be just passing through the ECU as it closes the circuit to ground. So not a lot of current usage there, but certainly, yeah, alternators are something that a lot of people don't consider enough when then that's creating all the juice for the whole vehicle. Well, I mean, I just, I know that there have been in the past, you know, some systems that if you don't have it with enough power constantly, you're going to have uh, misfires. You're going to have, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? You're going to start having sure. electrical issues because uh, something's trying to steal from something else or it's not enough energy or power or good grounds, all those, all those kind of things. At, at least in my past experiences, will rear its ugly head, especially when you start adding to the system or trying to improve your system. Right. And the minimum voltages for our devices are really low and they're actually built to an automotive specification. So, um, you know, everything else is going to be really unhappy before the ECU is. So it'll be, you know, one of the last things working if your system gets down to a voltage that low. So that's not a huge concern, but definitely concern yourself with having a healthy electrical system, but the ECU is not going to give out before anything else does. All right, while we're kind of like talking about the systems, I'm going to skip down here to Jim. Donnie, and um, he says, do you offer training on the software or is it pretty much self-explanatory? I think that's a pretty good question because I know a lot of times when I'm looking at something that's got a bunch of wires and is it is it pretty easy to, to wire it all up, you know, with the instructions or with a, a lesson or two? Yeah, I think there, there's always value in training just because even if you know exactly what you want to accomplish, every manufacturer uses slightly different terminology or they locate a table somewhere differently than another company would. So we, we do offer training. Back a few weeks ago, we, we just finished our first EMU, EMU Pro training course um, here at our facility in Garland, Texas. Um, the guys in Poland, I'm not sure if they're doing, we did training there for you know global distributors. I'm not sure if they're going to do another course soon. And then my goal over the next couple of months is to do a full video series where we offer online training um, as a package. We'll um, we'll look into how we want to format that, but then we'll do faster videos, shorter format for YouTube. So if you just need to get up to speed on one particular thing, you don't have to watch, you know, a 10 hour long course. But yeah, training is a huge component. So if, if I was had interest in, uh, I could get on a plane or drive to Texas and come to your facility and attend a class or? Correct, yep. And and the, the goal is to offer it in person and also have an online version that people can access without having to travel and take time away from their business. So I, I try to make everything as, as accessible as possible. And I'm sure, I'm sure the question now in everybody's mind is how long can you expect to come out there and stay and, you know, be able to, again, cons, you know, believing that you're smart enough to, to be out there to be, be trained in this stuff. How, how long should that course take uh, before you'd be done? Yeah, well, usually it's it's a two-day course is what we've historically done, where okay. the first day is more classroom and the second day is, is almost all hands-on just to get people familiar with it. So yeah, two-day course works well. We'd like to go in depth further on some other products later, but for now we, we typically do a two-day course. All right, Sean uh, would like to have another stab at this saying, uh, 
not to keep dragging it on about releases and additional features, but do you have more info on the PU PMU 24 schedule? Yep, that one's really close to the end of development. Um, I don't have an exact date on that, but that's, you know, the, the guys from Poland are working on it as fast as they can, but it's it's pretty close to the finish line, so I wouldn't expect that to take much longer, but I don't have an exact date because once all the development's done, they've got to schedule a production run. So it, it's, you know, we're not talking in the next couple of weeks, but um, I don't have an exact date, but it is close. Okay. I'm not familiar with what he's conferring, you know, talking about, and I don't know how many people on the call are. So is this something that's in the future we'll take where you guys have got coming down the pike that's going to be available? Yep. Yeah. So our, our power management units, again, like I said, they're um, they replace all the fuses and relays in your race car and give you a lot of control. You can you can monitor them for over and undercurrent. You can retry a channel. If you've got something that's failing, you can trigger a backup a system if you have a redundant system for something. They're really clever devices. Um, and the PMU 16 has 16 outputs. Um, the PMU 24 will have 24 outputs. So for race car, if you're using, you know, turn signals and wipers and lights and all that, you can run out of outputs fairly quickly. Um, so the PMU 24 will be just kind of an evolution of the PMU 16 with, with eight more seven amp outputs to give you a few more channels for a car that's a little bit more complex. So yeah, we, we were hoping to have it ready by now, but um, the development took just a little bit longer than expected, but it should be out pretty shortly. We got everybody out there thinking right now. I love this uh, interaction we're getting from our, our viewers. Uh, Boone Cruz would like to know, I'm currently uh, in use with an EMU Black in an S13 grassroots drift car, and I also have a data logger and love analyzing my logs. For simple grassroots cars, are there advantages to the new pro that would have someone like me finding it useful to upgrade, I guess is what he's asking. Yeah, I, it it really just depends on on how complex your car is and, and what your goals are. The the EMU Pro is a really fantastic product, but if the EMU Black is installed in your car and it's working and meets your needs, then you know I wouldn't jump to replace. As much as I love selling people ECUs, but um, I mean the EMU Pro gives you a lot more latitude for creating custom tables, and um, you, you know it's just it's much more open world. You can do a lot more with it. So um, you know I would look at your racing program and, and see, but you know certainly it is an upgrade. But for a simple grassroots drift car, you know, that's maybe not the most demanding application in the world. So um, if it's meeting your needs, and I wouldn't jump to spend the money unless, you know, if you really love learning, expanding and learning new things and trying new concepts and strategies, then certainly that's a valuable thing. But if the guy has future aspirations of moving up, then the uh, the new one would really be it's something you can take with you and keep moving into each to a different level. Absolutely. Yeah. And really the benefits of the EMU Pro are not only the, the more, you know, control strategies you can implement, but having a lot more channels of data available, you just, there's physically more places to put sensors into the ECU. So if you want to start logging more channels and having more data, then that's going to be a big step up for certain. Going back to um, your class, if, if you run into trouble, and you know something's not quite coming out the way it is. Do you have the capabilities? You know, an online emergency number. Like if I'm at a track and I got a problem, uh, do you guys have anything that is readily available? Especially, you know, when a lot of these races are racing on weekends, uh, do, do do you guys provide anything like that? I'm I'm really careful to make sure that my employees get to 
enjoy their weekends off and spend time with family and, and relax. So we, we don't have anything like that seven days a week now, but we do have a user group on Facebook with almost 30,000 members. And so you can guarantee somebody's always looking there and it's a pretty responsive group. So, um, but I also recommend to everyone, if you're going to have a racing program and you're not tuning the car yourself, um, you know, relationship with the tuners is something that almost every racing team in the world needs now. And having somebody to help you look at the data, help you sort through issues that, you know, we, we can't be everything to everyone at every hour of the day. It's just not possible. Um, but having access to somebody who's an expert in their field, you know, it, it's important to have that relationship and make sure that if you're going to really try to knock people's heads in at the top level of racing, that you've got somebody in your camp that knows exactly what they're doing. I think that's great information because you're exactly right. Uh, I know myself, I know what my limits are. So, you know, I would definitely want to surround myself with great engineers and technical people that can handle stuff like that and or at least have somebody on a hotline where I could go to if I was to run into a trouble uh, trouble situation. But I'm impressed that you got 30,000 uh, people uh, that have and I guess the best way to put it, that are customers of yours and, and know about your product. Right. And and also, too, with the time split between the guys in Poland and the guys, you know, on our team here in the U.S., that's a big chunk of the day where you can get somebody on the phone five days a week, right? So there's a lot of overlap there in terms of time zones and then also the various distributors throughout the world. And then we also push our customers to develop a good relationship with their dealer, right? And we, we, we love our, our dealer network and they're all experts in the field, too. So there are a lot of avenues for support, for sure. You know, it sounds like uh, your company is a little bit like your portrait. You guys are open 365 days a year, seven, seven days a week type deal. I mean, it's just it's crazy that, you know, how companies like yourself and the portrait and the way the world has gotten smaller, especially when it comes to racing, because all the people around the world are now sharing information and know about one another better than they ever had. Right. All right, Boone has called back or has sent me a, a note back saying, you said you, re, uh, you revamped all of your control strategies. Are there any particular that you think are unique or special compared to other ECU manufacturers? Yeah, I, I think our, our, what I was talking about with like, we, we call them wizards for like drive by wire setup and variable cam timing setup. I, I think that we mm -hmm. really set ourselves apart there where, you know, with, with, RECU previously, you know, in the beginning, you had to manually set up um, PID loops, which is just a name for a control strategy. And it's really tedious. It's a lot of work by hand, a lot of looking at logged data. And then um, Jacob, who, who founded EC Master, he kind of figured out he was doing the same thing every time when he did it by hand. So if he can predict what he's doing and the pattern he's doing it in, then you know, he can write code to do that. Um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing is, is the wizards self-tuning those things. We're going to add some wizards for some other control strategies. That's, that's at least the goal in the future um, that we'll do some self-tuning where previously a tuner had to go in manually and spend a lot of time dialing something. And so I think that's the biggest differentiation with the strategies in the pro that sets us apart right now is that you run a wizard and you're done. It's it's really, there's not a lot of, you know, fussing around that the, the, the tuner should be spending time tuning, not dialing in a PID loop. That, that's the goal is that the tuner is actually on the keyboard making pulls, seeing what the combo wants and not wasting time with a bunch of just manual setup. Well, you used a couple of terms there that I feel like we need to ask this question that now I think it's appropriate. Uh, the wizard, the future, I'm going to put you on the spot. And I know, I know that this is not fair, but hey, life ain't fair. 
What do you see the industry 20 years from now? Yeah, I've, I've asked myself this a lot just because, you know, it's it, there's a lot of push against internal combustion. Right? There's a lot of political initiatives and a lot of, you know, kind of fear and gloom and, and doom, but um, people still sell carburetors every day. There's hundreds of them being sold every day that, you know, cars are so durable now that we're not going to cycle out of what we're building now for another 15, 20 years. I mean, the, the, the average age of vehicle on the street right now, it gets longer every year as cars are more durable, they're manufactured better. So, you know, all these timelines for pushing everyone toward full EVs for an electrical grid that just doesn't exist. Um, I, I think we're still going to see internal combustion as a gigantic portion of the racing industry in 20 years. But we are absolutely going to see more technology being added in every year, whether that's an aftermarket company that figures out how to make a really cool hybrid drivetrain that you get to integrate in your race car. And um, we're going to see EVs more and more every year. You know, I, I love the idea of having something classic that doesn't require a carburetor tune up a couple times a year that doesn't leak oil everywhere that says a silent, you know, imagine a little 356 Speedster replica that has 150 horse EV motor and you just cruise around the neighborhood, go for a little ice cream run, doesn't require any maintenance whatsoever. I think there are really big corners of our industry that would benefit from electrification. Um, but, you know, in 20 years, we're still going to see internal combustion as a huge portion of the racing industry. It just, you know, it's just not going to go away that quickly. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, we're not going to be looking for less information, no matter what type of vehicle we're talking about. We're going to be wanting more. And ECUs, no matter whether it's on combustion engines or electric or whatever the next thing is going to be, uh, it's it's going to be a necessary part of the of the evil of the of the uh, I want to call it the automobile world and the racing world. Sure. I really enjoyed the time and I've 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 definitely took a few notes. It makes me feel like that uh, I learned some things here today. I really appreciate it. Glad to hear it. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Zach. Great, uh, great presentation and brilliant company. And uh, and so, uh, you know, this webinar has been recorded. It will be uh, posted later on the portrait platform, as well as distributed through our uh, different channels, newsletters, social media, etc. We pushed uh, ECU Masters uh, product back on the homepage of the portrait platform. As Jeff mentioned, we never sleep. We open 24-7, 365. So please take advantage of it. Again, Zach, thank you very much for uh, being with us uh, today. We will be back live next Wednesday. Um, the presenter will be Peterson Fluid System, and we're going to be talking dry sump oil pump cavitation causes and cures so thank you again for being with us today and then uh, please go on ePortrait and look at uh, ECU Masters product thank you very much and let's go racing bye bye ePortrait is a digital platform that we've created basically to make life easier in the business community of auto racing ePortrait there is no e-commerce it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier. When you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on the request more information, and then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Land speed record holder George Poteet's speed demon rocketed 481 miles per hour at the Bonneville Salt Flats. You don't go that fast without ARP fasteners. 
there is no way that we could go the speed that we've gone, the number of times we've gone, with a lesser quality bolt than ARP supplies to us. And we absolutely wouldn't be where we were today if it weren't for ARP. When failure is not an option, it's ARP-Bolts.com. We're Performance Plus Global Logistics. Our team of dedicated performance industry and logistics experts get valuable cars and components to the track on time in top condition. We provide expedited logistics solutions for the performance industry using direct routes instead of deferred options and communicate all necessary information to the appropriate resources to meet regulations and ensure a smooth transit and secure delivery, both domestically and internationally. And we exceed customer expectations by providing best-in-class service with an efficient and cost-effective system in place. Contact us today to book your next shipment. You work as hard as your truck, and you have no time for downtime. That's why more truck owners trust Blue Def, America's number one diesel exhaust fluid brand. Each batch is guaranteed pure, so you can avoid costly repairs caused by inferior death. Demand America's best for your truck. Blue Def at Blue Def Platinum. Put trust in your truck. I'm Michael Cruz, owner and operator of Got Mechanic LLC. Whether we're out in the field or whether we're in the bay, me and my guys are able to actually go into parts procurement and be able to pull up these prices for our parts and use the parts matrix to actually get a profit off of these parts on the fly. Parts procurement makes it even better just with being able to get in contact with my local retailers.